Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Damn these Biloxi blues. It happens every night And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer That could ever be a friend of mine No Summer heat never treats me kind It leaves trouble on my mind So I'm bidding farewell Putting in my notice And I'll see you at another time Sing it if you know it This highway Does not know my name And I don't care No I Headed my way For another place And I got Three good tires And a spare Right to the hook Just a white line gypsy Getting out of Mississippi With just enough gas To get there Low Budget Live, not so live, and we're back. We are back in the low-budget live barn grill, and it's cold, cold, cold in Tennessee, and I got, like the old saying goes, frostbite on my sunburn because, whew, it finally warmed up down there in Florida. The weather, the weather, not the fishing for me, but the weather, the weather finally warmed up the last two days I was there. Put her in the wind coming home, and it dropped 50 degrees temperature from when I pulled out of Kissimmee. I stopped in Georgia Friday night late, got me a room and uh, to break up the drive. 50 degrees from when I got in my truck in Kissimmee to when I got out of it a little north of Macon, Georgia, on uh, on Friday night. That's shell shock right there, ladies and gentlemen. That uh, that this old low lifer is uh, is is cold, very very cold. This is the podcast for February the 7th, 2022, and we are in that second month. 
that month where things do start to happen around the country. By the time you start getting into late February, especially in the south, and fish start thinking about spawning, they're making their moves. I like late February around here. So uh, definitely in full gear, bass chasing mode right now. You know, hunting season's over, and obviously the tournaments are going. So I've got two under my belt now. One was a lot of fun. This one was not fun. The tournament wasn't fun. The event as a whole was fun. The tournament, the two days that I went out there were not fun for me. Uh, first day was okay. Second day was a total disaster. Uh, and we'll get there. We will get there. You bunch of low lifers, thank y'all for tuning in. First things first, got to thank the great sponsors that make all this insanity in my life possible each and every week at tournaments, in between tournaments. I appreciate everybody that supports what I do. First and foremost, StarTron, kicking ethanol in the teeth in your outboard engine. I saw gas down in Florida, ethanol-free fuel for like over four bucks a gallon. You're nuts if you're buying that stuff. When all you got to do is put a little dab of this in your tank, this bottle treats 256 gallons. Don't be buying that fuel. Don't. That's what this is for. Kicks it in the teeth, keeps it from gumming up the works. Nothing ruins a great day on the water like an outboard engine that will not run. So get you some StarTron. You don't have to shake it. I like to shake it, obviously. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Put it in your tank. Protect your investment. StarTron, kicking ethanol in the teeth. We appreciate StarTron for being a sponsor of LBL for many years now. New to the show this year, and I see y'all. I see y'all out there using the code, supporting the show, and showing this company that you low-lifers are serious. You're serious about it. Baitworks, Springfield, Missouri, baitworks.com. They have what you need tackle-wise, rod and reel-wise. They even sell electronics. They sell all kind of stuff. They are a one-stop shop. They are growing every day. If there's something you can't find on there, let me know. Let me know. I'll pass on the word. They are Their inventory grows by the minute. They have incredible prices. $50 gets you free shipping. And uh, from what I've seen, they got the goods and they got them in stock. I, uh, I am a free agent this year on rods and reels. And before I left to go to the Harris chain, I, I wanted to dabble in some other things. I've still got my Abu's. Uh, nothing but love for um, my guy B-Rad there at Abu Garcia, but uh, we we are not officially on paper uh, this year partners. And uh, I've used, used the Abu stuff for like three years, but and I'm still using it. That's the bulk of what I got, right? But I'm, I'm dabbling in other things that I've heard about. And before I left to go to Florida, I ordered a Levante Mega Bass Levante. I've always wanted to, to try the Mega Bass stuff out. Never even held one of those rods. My little buddy Sammy George has got a couple of them he was telling me about. And I ordered the Perfect Pitch Rod and from Baitworks and a new Curado. I forget the model number, but I uh, used that down there in Florida a lot and uh, caught four of the fish I weighed the first day on it. And that is, that is a really good feeling rod. Really good feeling rod. Go, uh, go check one of those out if you get a chance. I normally am not uh, all about buying expensive rods. I know that sounds crazy, and that is a little – it's like a $200 rod, but uh, got me some on bait, got me one on Baitworks. Definitely going to be ordering me another one. So get on there. Use code DUNCAN-10 to show your support 
and tell them that you're a low lifer and uh, that we sent you there. All right, baitworks.com. Appreciate those folks. And last but certainly not least, the goat boat. I'm calling it the goat boat. I love my boat. I, I am uh, every time. I, every time that I get to take that X21 out, I'm more and more impressed. And in Florida, man, it's just like in its element down there, running through Kissimmee grass and running through pads. And it it gets on pads so fast. Justin Atkins and I were messing around, uh, going to race in this canal because Justin is all about that life. And uh, and he got me top end wise. I, I will I'll be honest, he got me. But he said, "Dude, I've never seen a boat get out of the hole that fast." And it does. It just jumps out. Trim my jack plate up in super shallow water all week and just bolted. I mean, a foot deep less than a foot deep and just just go and uh just really really love the boat man I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my my new one um with a few of the changes they've made and the new yamaha show that i keep hearing so much about from guys out there so uh really looking forward to that combo but man my x21 black betty from last year man it's uh it's a machine. It's a machine. It just uh, it never ceases to impress me, and I, I thoroughly enjoy getting to fish out of that X twenty one Express boats. Blah 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 blah. Building excitement since nineteen sixty six, supporting the traveling circus and all things low budget life. All right, let's jump in. No guest today. I was going to have my man Brandon Lester on. Really like Brandon. Follow Brandon. We're, we're basically neighbors, about an hour and a half away from each other. And uh, I don't know Brandon well, but I've always really respected Brandon. And uh, he finally got him a dub. He finally got him that Bassmaster Open win down there. And uh, he's done well at Toho several times. But today, as I record this, it's Sunday. And he is uh, practicing for the Elite Series. Definitely want to have him on to talk about many things. Because, uh, like I said, always from from afar, really respected Brandon. He and I chatted on the first day of the event down there at Toho at the weigh-in. And uh, just a really solid dude, seems like. And uh, want to have him on for sure. But wasn't going to bug anybody today. Elite-wise, they're kicking off their St. John's River practice. Weather was nasty. And I wasn't about to uh, – I'm not one of those guys. I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to harass those dudes while they're trying to uh, trying to fish. Even though one time we did have Justin Lucas on while he was practicing for an FLW, and then he went on to uh, to win it. <laughs> so maybe maybe some of those guys want to talk to me. I don't know. Uh, but huge congrats to Brandon. Congrats to my buddy Joey Fuentes. Joey C. Massive day one stringer, twenty eight pounds down there, and just you know didn't back it up. Uh, like he wanted to, and I, I think the fish they were they were just changing by the minute, and uh, he ends up coming a little bit short, finishing second. That's the third major event he's been leading going in the last day, and I know he's know he's really upset about that. But man, you, those events are so hard to win, and they're hard. Enough, it's just hard to make the top ten. You got two hundred and thirty boats, so there's a lot that goes into these opens, and uh, man, just to to be leading it is a is is impressive. To say the least, to catch a stringer like that, just unbelievable. But uh, congrats to Joey on a on a great tournament, great guy as well. Really thank the world, of Joey. We fished co angler together, co angler. Yeah, we're going to get to some co angler topics here in a minute. I, I got some things I want to get off my chest about that. But Joey and I competed against each other out of the back of the boat in the FLW. It's when I got to know him and uh, travels with Larry Nixon, the the general. And Joey's a Joey's the real deal. He's a good dude. So I was happy to say I would like to have seen him win. It's so hard. You got so many friends in this. I've been in this for a while now, 
And uh, you do pull for everybody because you know how hard it is. But uh, congrats to those guys. And congrats, I got to say, to little Trey. Little Trey Swindle went down there, called him, did his job, finished in the 20s. Stupid freaking Uncle G, Gerald, old man River. He, uh, grinder's going to grind. He ended up finishing like 13th or 14th, had a great event as well. And, uh, you know, they, they kicked my teeth in this week. There's no doubt about it. They definitely, definitely did. They were on a little different deal than I even could figure out. I tried, uh, to do what they were doing, but, uh, they, they figured out some, some sneaky stuff and, and hung with it. So super proud of Trey though. That's his, uh, you know, that's the start to his elite series bid. He's fishing all nine opens, man. And, and it is so easy to, let the wheels fall off and practice was brutal and and he stayed mentally tough i talked to trey a lot in practice and and uh it, it was cool to see i was really proud for him that that he was able to even catch him better on the second day and uh and get him a check and get out of florida with that solid finish to start the year and so congrats to uh congrats to little trey congrats to zach burge as well this this storyline so burge has signed up for all the opens as he's competing on the Bass Pro Tour, uh, I think you can, you know, read between the lines on that. And he always catches them down there in Florida, seems like. He's like a lock for a top ten. But he, once again, did it again. And, he, man, I, I talked to Zach. He was staying close to Gerald and them, and I was putting in a little boat ramp there where they were staying. And just amazing. On day two, he comes out, he's like, I'm like, how'd you do? He tells me, and, and he's plugging in his boat and stuff, plugging in his charger. And I said, like, what are you going to do? Because he could either leave then and not fish the final day. He was sitting in fifth going in the final day, and he's like, man, if I leave now, I can drive to my dad's house in the panhandle, wake up in the morning, I'm in group B, because, of course, BPT is going on right now out in uh, Monroe, Louisiana. He said, I can go to – my dad's, then I can get up and I can get to Monroe and work on my stuff, charge my batteries, whatever. He said, if I fish tomorrow, now listen to this. So you want to be a Bass Pro? So you want to be a Bass Pro? He said, if I fish tomorrow, I have to leave Kissimmee, Florida, drive all the way to Monroe, Louisiana, all night, and try to make it there by 9 a.m. No batteries charged, no tackle rigged and go compete in the Bass Pro Tour. And he decided to stay, finishes in the top 10, gets up, drives to Monroe, Louisiana. Just insane to me. Insane. He's he's a hell of a lot tougher than I am. So congrats to Zach for making the top 10. And BPT, as I'm recording this, is going on. That group B's out there, and I'm not sure. I haven't checked in to see what he's done today. But hopefully he made it, made it safe. I didn't see a post. I've been checking Instagram this morning to see if he's like uh, – you know, documenting it, documenting it. But uh, congrats to Zach. He got his opens started off on a uh, on a really good note as well. All right. So so I, I decided this this week I would do something a little different. And since I did fish the open and and uh, you know it didn't go great. And if there's one thing that I've proven in my fishing career is I can take an ass whipping. <laughs> I'm good at it. I've seen me do it. <laughs> and uh, to the point that, that uh, you know, it doesn't really frustrate me. I, I, I hate that it didn't go uh, better than it did. And I had, I felt like a solid game plan 
Uh, and it's it just you guys that all you know you fish tournaments. It's it's amazing when you kind of see how it unravels for guys and how or how it how it shakes out, how they catch them the exact same way you're fishing, doing the same thing, and you just don't get the breaks. And that is truly how fishing goes. It, it just is. And so you know, Florida they had a massive cold front, massive cold front. When I was on my way down, first night it was 30 degrees. The water temperature between, I wasn't there until Saturday night, but on Friday it was 62, 61 degrees, something in that range. It was 52 when I put the boat in Sunday morning there on Toho. Brutal. Brutal. Those Florida fish hate it. And when I tell you I had one bite all day, and it was from a chain pickerel until right before dark, and then I caught one almost eight pounds. <laughs> Beautiful fish, awesome. Was on the phone with Justin Atkins. I thought it was a 10-pounder, honest to goodness. It was one of the longest bass I've ever caught in my life. I wish I would have measured her. She just wasn't really like, you see some of those Florida bass are like this big around. She just wasn't, she didn't have that, that you know, meat to get her over 10, but just long, man. Beautiful fish. On the phone with Justin, I'm like, bro, she came by the boat a couple of times. She never jumped. I could just see how long the lateral line was. I said, dude, I hate to throw this term out, but like, this is a giant. And uh, anyways, he runs. He's like, drop me a pin, drop me a pin, share your location. I'm going to come take a picture. We're all excited. And uh, even after I got her in the boat and I weighed her and I told him how much she weighed and and he's like, uh, I don't care if it's not a 10 pounder. I want to come see it. So we, we had a we had a good time and uh, he comes over and we take pictures or whatever and, and release her back and, and, uh, but that was in some offshore grass, and and I had spent on Sunday. When I say I only got a couple bites, I, I literally I was committed to two things in that event. They catch them there, and they did catch them again. Offshore hydrilla in Toho. That's how it gets one normally. This this week was uh, was unfortunately one in Cyprus, and I didn't spend enough time in Cyprus. But of course, you can lock through out of Toho to Cyprus, Hatchnahal, or Kissimmee, and. I've got a lot of experience on Kissimmee, not as much on Toho. I really like Kissimmee and how it sets up, but it just wasn't it wasn't feeling it this week. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to spend as much time on Toho as I can. And so my game plan on Sunday, I idled, I stared at my Garmin's for hours, for hours. I didn't even put my boat on pad for I, I don't know how long. The first morning, and I found found fish, found offshore hydrilla. Uh, of course, it's, it's everywhere, but you're looking for unique stuff like holes in it and, and hard spots, muscles and uh, shell bed type stuff. And I found a shell bed the first day and uh, couldn't get bit on it, but I could see fish on side view out there, could see them on live scope, just couldn't get them to eat in that cold. And uh, just spent a lot of time behind the wheel, catch that big one on some grass that I found late. And I'm like, okay, you know, they're not biting great. So this this is probably an area that's got a few fish kind of mark it off. Day two of practice, I go and same thing. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to grind it out behind the garments. And I did. And I just rode and rode and rode and rode and rode and rode and rode. Find another shell bed, catch a couple of keepers off of it. Then end up catching like a six pounder that, that evening. Same thing, throwing a chatterbait. And uh, on a X pride Shimano rod, um, no affiliation, no sponsor, I bought it. And uh, actually got it from Baitworks. Cool rod. It's a medium heavy glass rod. Great rod. But uh, but anyways, uh, 
caught both of those big ones on a chatterbait. Same same setup. And I thought, okay, kind of like those bigger ones seem to want that. A lot of guys are throwing jerk baits, rattle traps, things like that, all kind of different lipless. Couldn't get bit on those. But uh, chatterbait, two big bites, doing the same thing. They weren't biting. Water temperature had warmed up to like 54. And so as I'm graphing, I'm also keeping my mind looking forward because it's supposed to be like 80 during the tournament. It's getting warmer progressively each day, even though we got some big winds that are kind of keeping the water temperature from just skyrocketing. But I knew, and I, and I, I knew this, and I've seen this. I've been in Florida many times. It turn, it goes from nothing to sea world very fast, up shallow. And I'm a sight fisherman. That's I would rather do that than eat, and I really like to eat. So in, to give me a break from graphing, I would go look in areas where I found them on the bed before and mark beds in that were empty in hopes of, by the event, they would move up. And that was kind of my two-pronged approach to going in. And I really felt like it was solid because I've been burned by offshore fish in Florida before because they can just go to the hill very fast. In hours, within minutes, they can just change their mind and go start spawning again. And this was the, this big front. Like I said, it's, it's warming up. So that was kind of my plan. And, uh, and anyways, the last couple of days of practice really sucked. Uh, caught Tuesday, I think I caught one bass, three-pounder, offshore hydrilla. Uh, found a mother load of fish on side view, could not make them eat. Didn't matter what I did. Uh, it was funny, during the tournament, Andrew Upshaw actually found the same little deal, and we both fished it twice during the event, saw each other on it, and uh, couldn't make these fish eat. Like, it was just, it was just mind-boggling. And uh, they were everywhere. There were so many of them in this grass. They're on top of it, on the sides of it. There's a lot of bait around. It's just this juicy spot right outside of a spawning area. They just wouldn't eat. They just wouldn't eat. And I don't think anybody caught them off of it. Um, but I was really proud of the prep work and the Garmin time that I put in. Because normally I'm not that guy. I don't like – I feel like I'm wasting time not fishing some. And I know guys that are super committed to the electronics game. And I, obviously I love live scope and I love all that. But I like to fish. I go to Florida to flip pads and to sight fish and to swim a jig and to throw a horny toad and a speed worm around, winding. I like to fish that way. That's not how I get to fish here. So to go down there, I had a different mindset because, as I've mentioned on here before, I'm not trying to make the Elite Series. I'm fishing those opens to to win, you know. And so consistency to me doesn't – like I don't care. I know that sounds like an excuse or crazy. Like, I just don't. And I have been going into those, the couple I fished last year and this one, with a different mentality. Just practice different than I normally do. I'm not necessarily focused on I want to get a ton of bites. I just want to try to hit a home run. And so I, I tried to do that, and I just missed. And uh, uh, in practice, I just never found anything magic that I could get bit on. And uh, and, and look, guys like Atkins and Polinick. And Swindles talking to those guys a lot in practice, little Trey and and Gerald, they were getting no bites. I mean, Gerald had two days of practice. He had no bites. No bites. He caught most of his fish off of one spot he found on Friday in the events. Just crazy. It was just, you know, you see the big massive weights, but overall it was a very, very, very miserable, tough event for a lot of guys. They just, you know, if you've ever been to Florida, you know, you get a lot of bites. When it's good, you get a lot of bites. And but the the difference maker is you got to catch a big one like one or two of those six-pound-plus fish a day. 
to do well. And that's just how it goes. Most Florida stringers are little two to two and a half pounders or pound and a halfers with like a seven and a nine mixed in truly. I've seen it too many times. And uh, this time you just couldn't get bit. You couldn't get bit. You'd go shallow, not get bit. You got deep, not get bit. It was just really, really wild. And uh, so wrap practice up, just had a game plan, but was betting on the come, so to speak. Like I needed that wave to come up and uh, and and just fingers crossed it was going to happen. Wednesday it got into the 70s. We had to be off the water at 12, so they weren't getting pressured. And it was just like bacon. Bacon in the sun And I'm like Okay It's gonna change It's gonna change It's gonna change And it never really did For most guys Uh, Not like we Anticipated or hoped And so Thursday uh, Thursday I'm I'm Boat 193 And I go out And I had an awesome partner Dan from Pennsylvania Dan was uh, Was Exactly like this model co-angler as far as far as that goes, out there to learn, bucket list, wanting to come to Florida, had never ridden, uh, he has a small bass boat up in Pennsylvania, never ridden in a boat like my Express that goes fast. We got to the first spot and he was like shaking. Super cool. He's like, man, I've never been that fast on the water. It, it, was, it was a really fun experience and uh, we both laughed a lot and, and had a good day. But uh, started in my grass, where I'd caught a couple, including an eight pounder, and and uh, just no bites, like an hour and a half, no bites on my chatterbait, and I jerked around and I threw a trap some, and just never had a bite. And so I ran to the shell bed, and I caught four, boom, 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 including a three pounder. Immediately when I pull up on this thing, throwing a Carolina rig, and uh, with a trick worm on it, and just they quit, like they just quit. I'm like what? They wouldn't bite, and I thought, okay. It was like 9.45 when I got there, and I thought, well, and they do bite early on those kind of things a lot of times. I thought, well, I just missed it. Like, I missed it. I got in on the tail end of it, and then it was over. So I went running around. I was able to finish out a limit for like eight-something, and I was in the 80s the first day and uh, saw a couple of males late in the day moving up on beds, and I thought, okay, tomorrow I'm going to sight fish some. I'm going to start on this shell bed. I rig up. Um, for that in mind Oh, I'm leaving out a key thing from day one Because I, I want to mention this I destroyed uh, My Garmin Force trailer motor <laughs> My bad I was up I, I ended up finishing out a limit And my co-angler caught two keepers uh, In the middle of the biggest jungle you can imagine Kissimmee grass, lily pad mats And dude, I was Pounding that Garmin through there and uh yeah i kind of knocked it knocked it uh around a little bit more uh than i should have anyways shout out to logan and all the guys in the service yard i had a late check-in but i fished like the last two hours without a trolling motor which sucked and, and and it was just you know my own stupidity pushing trying to get to some areas where guys weren't beating up and in that big two 230 boat field was in the service yard at almost 9 p.m. that night, and uh, those guys working on it, and they got me back going. And I had anybody from guy from Yamaha, the Mercury dude, they were all pitching in. Even Big Mike from Humminbird was working on my garments. Like it's just a family, and those guys take care of everybody. And uh, so huge thank you to them because I wouldn't have been able to fish on day day two with a, with a trolling motor. I've been floating around out there. 
And I don't know that the result would have been any different, <laughs> but huge thank you to those guys. It, it's it just blows my mind that they're that good at troubleshooting. And anyways, they got me back going. So huge thanks to those guys. And uh, but just bad luck, man. Bad luck. Just couldn't uh, couldn't figure that out uh, where this luck's coming from. But uh, to be honest, but get going on uh, on day two. And really just had one of the most frustrating days on the water I've ever had. And, uh, and there was a lot of factors that, that went into that. And the main one for me, I pulled up on my, my main deal, shell bar. I was literally like nervous when I got there thinking, man, these fish are going to bite early. I was boat 33, got there, and uh, I catch a keeper first cast or second cast, something like that. And they just quit. My co-owner caught a couple. But what happened after that, I just I kept trying to make the bed and fish deal work. I lost a couple flipping mats, had five or six blow up on a horny toad and not get it that wouldn't eat anything on the follow. Like it's just a weird, weird day. But I drew a guy as a co-angler, and and I want to talk about this because I think this is very important in the sport. And I was a co-angler. And uh, I think co-anglers get a bad rap because of guys like this guy that I drew. And he disguised some of his actions in that he was, you know, hey, buddy, I just want you to catch them, that kind of crap. But uh, but I just want to talk about, like, etiquette, like co-angler etiquette. And and the reason I can talk about it is because I was a co-angler and I was a successful co-angler. And I don't think I ever had a partner other than the fact that maybe I caught some fish that ever thought I pressured them or threw over their line or I did anything to negatively impact their day on purpose. Never, never. I treated the back of the boat like it was my own lake. I didn't pay attention to what they were doing. I, I tried to figure out the water I had around me based on what I was given. And that's how, and that's how I caught them. You know, and uh, I figured out my own techniques and it was a challenge. It was like piecing together a puzzle and I loved it. Like I really did love fishing co-angler. And, uh, and I did it when I was younger and had some success. But then I, you know, uh, won an FLW fishing as a co-angler, made the Forestwood Cup as a co-angler when they still uh, had the Forestwood Cup and had co-anglers in it. But, uh, but I had some success, man. And, and I just, it frustrates me so bad to get a bad partner. And it does a lot of guys because mentally, for me, and I, I consider myself mentally strong on the water. I don't give up. I don't get frustrated, even at the weight. Like you know what I'm saying. Like I, I just I know the realities of it, and you can make go on a run in ten minutes. Like so, you can't let negativity or whatever get to you. And I've I've been pretty good at that for several years. But I'll let this guy get to me. I'll let this guy get to me. And what I mean by that is. He was very, uh, he was aggressive. Um, I'm throwing on a shell bed, and it's a big area with a lot of shells on it. He's throwing up towards where he sees me catch one. He catches a couple, and I kind of let that, you know, get to me. He's throwing the exact same thing as me, of course. And I'll let that, and that's fine. That's all well and good. There's no rules against that, and uh, and that's his prerogative, right? But what got me and what gets me, and I've had a few of these guys over the years, is this guy brought his own boat down. And he practiced for the Open for four days. You guys have heard me talk about how tough it was, and it was. It was brutal. But from the jump, 7.30 in the morning, he's telling me about his practice, 
How many you caught? And I'm not doubting him. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Every move I made all day long, and listen, I've never been a guy. I don't want this to come off uh, like it could sound. And so I want to preface this by saying, never been a guy that because I've quote fish pro or whatever, like I've never had the success I wanted, obviously. Um, and I know how hard I work at it. I know how hard others work at it. I know how hard and incredibly difficult the sport is in general, especially at that level. So I've never looked down on like a local angle. I'm a pro. Like I'm, you know, there are guys that certainly have that kind of attitude. I've never been one of those people at all in the least. And uh, cause I know the realities of it and you could win five in a row and never catch another bass. I mean, it's just how it goes. And so I don't want that this to come off like I'm bad. Oh, co-anglers are beneath me, anything like that. Because there are guys that do have that attitude. But um, And this guy, by the end of the day, maybe thought I had that attitude over the conversation that we had. But he was just very, very uh, rude in that every move I made was the wrong one. And obviously, I didn't catch him. But he was just criticizing me openly from the jump. Well, you need to go do this. I called him there in practice. Well, you need to go do this. I called him there in practice. Well, you need to go do this. Well, I don't know why you're looking for him on the bed because the spawn's over. The spawn has barely begun in Florida. And I've been going down there for years. Of course, he's, I've been here I've been here a hundred times. I know everything about everything about everything. Then why in the hell are you fishing as a co-angler? Why? Pay you money, Bubba. You brought your boat to Florida and practiced Four straight days just jerking on them from what he said. And I, I don't get that. I don't get that. So co-angler etiquette, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Do not be the dude that sits in the back of somebody's boat and tells them all day long how much smarter you are than them. Don't don't be that dude. And, uh, and you hear these stories a lot. I've only had it happen to me like this three times. Three times. Um, the first time was when I was 19 in a Bassmaster Open. I had an old man just rattle my cage all day long from the, from the get-go. And I let it get to me. And I'll never forget that day. I had one when I was on the FLW Tour at Beaver Lake my rookie year. That was a local there that really I let get to me. He was just nonstop, and I let this guy get to me on, on Friday. That's not why I didn't catch him. That's not why I didn't catch him uh, at all. It just didn't work out. Couldn't get bit uh, by a keeper. You know, lost a couple fish, but I got the one. But I was so frustrated with him that finally at about 2.30, I just turned loose, and that's not who I am most of the time. And uh, and I don't think he knows anything about what I do or who I am or or the podcast or uh, anything. Uh, and and so if he's listening to this, maybe he'll comment and tell everybody I'm an idiot. But but I finally turned loose and I told him, you know, the the old cliche speech of like, you pay your almost two thousand dollars to come fish out of the front of the boat. Like, quit telling me what to do because I just lost about a three pounder pulling it out of a mat, flipped in there comes off and barely was skin hooked coming out. Like I, I had just barely had the bait. He looks at me and says, well, if you'll go right across there to those mats, you'll catch more because I caught a four pounder in practice. And the reason this sucks is because I practiced it for two hours and I never had a bite and I lost it. 
on the guy because that's just not okay. That's just not okay. And you guys listen to this. You've all been, when you get randomly paired, and I can get along with anybody. I think anybody that knows me will tell you I will be even to a fault with people. I give you what you give me. I'm just that guy. And I try my damnedest. I've gotten off to the wrong on the wrong foot with people in the boat and uh, or had awkward conversations or whatever. But you got to spend eight, seven, eight, nine hours in the boat with somebody. Random draw, somebody you don't know. I always go into it with the intention of make sure everybody has a good time. Like like Dan the first day. I gave him he he had never been to Florida. He hadn't had a bite all day. I gave him some custom poured speed worms that I get bit on down there a lot. And he caught two keepers and he lost his third keeper for his limit on a bait I gave him. That's what I try to be. Um, but I give what I what I what I get, you know, or what I'm given. And and so, you know, I lost it. And I ended up coming to weigh in early. I let him go weigh his fish and I threw mine back. And that's the first time in my my tournament career since a kid that I've in a major event I've ever thrown a fish back. It was just one little small one. I didn't see the need in it. I'm not, like I said, fishing for points necessarily, but that was very, you know, um, not like me. But I was so fried after several hours with this dude. And, you know, and he, like I said, he tried to say, um, man, I'm I'm trying, just trying to help you. No, you're trying to talk down to me, and then he goes into, well, how many of those FLWs did you win? Just all this crap. He tried to act like he hadn't looked me up. He had looked me up, and it was just this, like, uh, you know, uh, pissing contest between he and I, and, you know, anyways, um, co-angler etiquette is important. If you're a co-angler, you should be there you know, I've drawn a lot of coins are incredible fishermen, way better fishermen than I've ever been. I mean, my God, I drew Brian New. I've drawn Stetson Blaylock, these guys, you know, hell of a lot better fishermen than I'll ever be. And you know what they were in the boat when I drew those guys? Nothing but respectful. And and talk you through your day, you have fun, try to help each other, have the best day we can have. There's no sense in it. There's no sense in it. So if you're a co-angler, don't badmouth your boaters. You know, if you got a guy that's a jerk to you, I get it. But I hear so many co-anglers say that. Well, he wasn't on nothing. Well, man, look, you're spending time, money, okay, lots of money, lots of time, energy, and effort away from families, practicing, trying to do the best you can do. Do not be that guy. Don't be that guy. Do not be that dude. Uh, you see it too many times. I got spoiled a couple of years on the FLW tour because we had marshals, you know, and the opens, that is something that that's out there. It can be a fantastic experience for both the pro and co-angler. It can also impact the day in a negative fashion, whether that be some dude throwing over your line and catching one. You hear those stories, but it was so crazy though, the bipolar nature of, the co-anglers I had first day, like I said, Dan was incredible. He told me at the way, and he says the best day I've ever spent on the water. He caught two bass for like three pounds. That makes me feel like I did my job that day. You know, I we we all we had a great time. 
Um, the guy I drew the second day, I mean, I'd have rather thrown him in the damn water and watched him swim back than take him back to the dock. And that's just honest to God truth. And the funny thing about this dude is I was telling Sam George in uh, this story, he literally cuts me off and says, wait, is his name Goober? We'll use Goober. Uh, and I said, it is. And he goes, yeah, I've drawn him twice in the opens. He's a prick. He said, also, another friend of mine drew him out, and he had similar issues. So I text that guy, and he calls me and goes, I got to hear this story because that guy sucks. And I'm like, so then I felt a little, you know, justified in finally blowing a gasket. First time I've ever done that to a co-angler. I have been drawing co-angler since I was 18 years old. First boater co-angler tournament I ever fished, I was 18. So I've been around a lot of co-anglers. I've had a lot of fishing partners in my boats. First time I've ever talked like this to anybody. And uh, this uh, Sam George told me a story. This guy was in in a northern open up at Lake Oneida and tried to fight Jacob Peroznik from another boat because Peroznik asked the boater, this guy was with the pro, to ease, he like came in on Jacob and Sam throwing at these schooling fish, and his boat was in the way. He's like, Hey, dude, if you'll just back up like 25 yards and get in line with us here, we can all cast to them when they come up. But you're sitting right where they've been schooling. And this co angler just went nuts on Jacob <laughs> for asking this. The boater was fine with it. The co angler tried to fight Jacob, told him he'd go to the bank and whip his ass. Insanity. So, that's what I was dealing with. You never know who you're going to just get drawn out of a hat. I wish there was some kind of background check we could do. <laughs> Hank Weldon, if you're listening to this, background checks for pros and co's. Let's, let's go. Let's do that because I don't want to see a co-hanger get drawn out with a crazy person and I don't want to ever go fishing with a psychopath again that uh, talks crap all damn day long. And I wish I was mentally strong enough to uh, to just water off a duck's back and let it go, and I was till two o'clock. So from seven to two, I listened to it, and uh, and then I just came unglued. But uh, but that was uh, kind of how the event ended for me. Uh, I put a goose egg on the scoreboard, threw my little bass back, put it on the trailer, and started driving back. And and you know I don't um, you know I, I don't I don't regret doing that necessarily. It wasn't professional of me. But I didn't see the need in putting on the jersey and walking across stage because I was super bummed out and uh, and pissed off. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just a bad, bad, uh, bad deal all the way around. And and look, if it was a morning where I caught 20 pounds on my first six cast, he still would have annoyed me because <laughs> he was a prick. And, uh, and that's just all there is to it. So if I can give you any co-angler tips, I know a lot of people have asked me to do a co-angler show. And my my biggest thing is if you go fishing with somebody else, respect them, respect their equipment. Fish for you, fish for the fish that you have access to. Don't worry about what's going on from say right where the front deck starts up. That's water you shouldn't even be trying to throw at unless you're forty five degree in a bank and that boater says, "Hey man, throw up this way." You'll hear me do that. If you ever get in my boat and I'm doing something I feel like is unfair to you in a canal, what 
I'll tell you, I'll either apologize. Hey, man, this is a tough situation for you. I'm sorry. Maybe you should try X out the back. Or, hey, man, I'm going to kick the boat around. There's a lot of people that won't do that. I have been in the back of that boat so many times that I do try to do that. I do. I share baits. I talk talk about what's going on, how the spot lays out. I've always been that way. I leave my graphs on unless my battery's, you know, trying to preserve battery. I'm sitting on one spot for a long time without running the big motor or something. I'll put it in sleep mode. But other than that, I leave it on. I try to let everybody have the best experience they can have in the X21. And, uh, and, and it's a shame when it bubbles over. So always be respectful. And even if you do think the guy's making every bad decision, don't, don't vocalize it. I don't think that's okay because fishing is a very mental sport. And I hear so many guys with these kind of stories too many times, way too many times. So unfortunately it happened to me first open of the year. All right, guys, I had a little audio glitch right there. I apologize. That's just kind of how the look's going. But, uh, so, as I was saying, Southern Open, first one of the year, dropped me 180th place finish, and uh, it sucks. Sucks to suck, but it is what it is. Y'all know I'm going to be real with y'all on here every single time. I hope you uh, enjoyed kind of the breakdown, my ranting and rambling. We're going to have, a hopefully, a good guest next week. Lots of tournaments going on. We are back in full swing in the tournament year. Oh, one thing, on the way home, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram or not. I, I post this on my story, but uh, my spare tire holder – somehow broke on I-75 and uh, in my rearview mirror I see a tire just go skirt, 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 skirt into the right lane thank God nobody hit it it went off the road I couldn't get turned around it's there RIP uh, wheel and tire and uh, yeah that's just kind of an exclamation point on a on a interesting week uh, and as the triple threat said you got four good tires and no spare I'm going to leave you on that one. Be sure to hug your mom. I'm going to take you out with some Biloxi Blues. I will see y'all next week. See ya. Spanish moss, a Civil War ghost. Well, I'm going to leave them in the past. Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine. It don't matter east or west. North, south, wherever the wind blows, I'm leaving those burdens at rest. This highway, it does not know my name, and I don't care, no, I don't care. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spare. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get there.